Hello, my name is Christopher Domitio, and I am the author of a very good novel, Coronavirus. This is chapter 17, titled The General Rides Alone. If you want to see the whole thing or find the podcast, you can go to www.averygoodnovel.com. Chapter 17, The General Rides Alone. Megan Brennan was the only person on her Delta flight. She flew first class, but she'd never enjoyed a flight like this before. The crew celebrated having a passenger. It turned out that many flights had been making trips without passengers, but with more cargo than usual. The mail, after all, had to be delivered, as did meat, fish, milk, eggs, and other perishables. Prior to speaking with the crew, she hadn't known exactly how much commercial airlines relied on cargo to make their daily revenue. Of course, none of them were making money at this point. Landing in San Francisco, she was cognizant of how massive SFO really was. Without the people, it was huge. She was met at the gate by a delegation of the Bay Area postmasters. They loaded her in a waiting golf cart and ferried her to the waiting Lincoln Town car. She didn't have to ask about her bags. She knew they would be gathered up and brought to her hotel for her. The postmasters were clamoring for meetings. She was in California for two major things. First, to meet with Governor Newsom and formulate plans to deal with the Trump situation. And second, to find out about the mysterious Bob situation and to deal with that. However, the Postmaster General couldn't come to California and not have meetings in San Francisco. There were major policies decisions that had to be made in terms of masks, social distancing, handling the mail and handling retirements, and playing politics with union leaders and career postal workers. She would be in San Francisco for the first day, head to Sacramento for two days, and then return to San Francisco for two more days before flying back to the East Coast. She was confident that she would be able to take care of everything in the time that she had allotted. Megan was always confident. The first day's meetings were routine. The next day, her Lincoln transported her to Sacramento. The drive from San Francisco to Sacramento always amazed her. It was easy to think of California as nothing but a bunch of cities, San Diego, Los Angeles, Hollywood, San Francisco, Oakland. But when one actually got in a car and began to travel between them, the vastness and diversity of the state became apparent. The relatively short two-hour drive from the Bay Area to Sacramento was filled with farmland, rivers, foothills, and lakes. California was a vast state, larger than most countries in the world, built on fortunes made of gold, oil, and dreams. There was no place like it. As her car came into Sacramento, the feeling of awe was replaced by one of confusion. Given all that California was, Sacramento, the capital, should have been a combination of New York City and Washington, D.C., but it wasn't. The feeling always came to her because Sacramento was more like a small Midwestern city. Yes, Once one went into the Capital District, it became more impressive, but she'd always felt like the buildings should be taller and the crowds should be larger and more fashionable. Of course, Sacramento was a compromise. It was a seat of political power between the economic interests of agriculture, resource extraction, film, tech, and transport. Also, Sacramento had to toe a fine line between showing power and not offending the federal government with such a display. She understood it, but it still left her with a feeling of confusion. The meeting with Governor Newsom went about as she had predicted. He didn't lay all of the cards out on the table for her, but it was clear that he was preparing for big moves. Everyone knew that he planned on throwing his hat in the ring for president in the USA in 2024, but that was a long way off. And with Trump and coronavirus creating chaos at scales the country had never seen, there was no guarantee that there would even be a United States in 2024. Newsom was building alliances and making alternate plans just in case. There was no better ally to have than the United States Post Office, though... The same could be said of the state of California. I recently heard that the Postmaster General used to be a cabinet-level position, Newsom said after the pleasantries had been exchanged. Why did that end? 
It was Nixon, Megan explained. He was terrified that the post office was going to mount a campaign against him. He didn't want the postmaster general to have any extra information or influence. Did you know that Nixon, it was him that first suggested the postal workers should wear shorts? It was part of a smear campaign to delegitimize the post office, to make people take the power of the mail less seriously. Were his fears legitimate? Newsom looked searchingly in her face. Do you think the post office could really be a threat to the most powerful person in the world? Megan saw it as a trick question. Do you think the president is really the most powerful person in the world? Well, who else would it be? Newsom seemed, seemed interested in her answer. Maybe it hadn't have been, been a quick trick question. She picked her words carefully. It could be any number of people depending on the needs and circumstances of the world, she said. And besides, power requires the consent and agreement, or at least the fear, of those who give it. I'm not sure that the current president is nearly as powerful as he thinks he is, but his sycophants certainly don't tell him that. Newsom laughed. <laughs> I guess we're narrowing down to the heart of the matter. Let me rephrase my original question. Let's see, how can I say this? Mm, would the post office ever consider moving their headquarters to California? Megan smiled. I'm afraid the needs of the Postal Service require that we keep our corporate headquarters close to the halls of power, so as long as power resides in Washington, D.C., we'll need to keep our officers there. But we do have quite a large footprint here, Governor. In fact, some of our contingency plans involve just such a move. In the event of an East Coast invasion, or if Washington, D.C. were wiped out by a nuclear bomb, we actually have a backup headquarters in San Francisco that would be ready to roll out. Interesting. Newsom looked at her, nodding. I wasn't aware of that. God forbid that anything like that should happen, though. I'm curious about the post office's relationship with the IRS. How close is that? She kept herself from spitting, barely. The Treasury has been abandoning us for years. Ever since electronic payments became normalized, they've been waiting for the day that they could tell us to go shove it. Still, that day is a long way off. Roughly 30% of Americans still pay taxes by mail, and although the lion's share is automatically deducted from paychecks, still, that's tens of millions of people sending checks that average to about $1,200 each. So that's a lot of money. Yes, indeed, a lot of money. That's a big responsibility. But let's get back to my original question. Do you think that Nixon was right to feel threatened by the post office? Absolutely, Megan said. Never underestimate the power of the mail. I'll remember that, Postmaster General. Newsom suddenly remembered that it was she who had arranged this meeting. I'm curious as to why you wanted to have this meeting. What can I help you with? For Megan Brennan, it was already clear that their interests were aligned. There was no need to continue to play coy. On behalf of the United States Post Office, I'd like to invite the state of California to secede from the United States of America. If you choose to accept this invitation, you can expect the full support of the USPS. And going back to our conversation previously, we'd be very happy to move our HQ to California, as long as California were to become the seat of North American power. Newsom's jaw dropped. He was a politician, and politicians never laid out their tits on the table in the way that Postmaster General Megan Brennan just had. He couldn't even conceive of how to answer her. Brennan stood up. There's no need for a response. I just wanted you to know where we stand. I have another appointment that I need to keep this afternoon. Thank you for taking the time to see me, Governor. I look forward to working closely with you in the future. Brennan walked out of the governor's mansion and got into the car. Take me to that address in Arden Arcade, she told the driver. I need to meet someone there.